one of those songs that doesn't really seem to have an expiration date on it. Amen? You know? If you have a counter in your, uh, in whatever app you listen to different music in, this is one of those songs that the counter just keeps going up and up and up. And, and every time, I find it to have the same blessed effect upon my heart. It just causes me to be aware that uh, I have been blessed. You know, that I have been blessed. I personally have so much to be thankful for and grateful for. As I said, I'm looking forward to our time together on Tuesday. Now tonight, come back tonight. We'll spend, uh, we'll spend some time together tonight uh, in small circles in the Word of God. Uh, we have done this now for a number of months. Uh, we have uh, on Saturday morning, the first Saturday of the month, we have this opportunity at uh, 9 o'clock in the morning. It, it's a wonderful, blessed time. And, and uh, now we have it also on uh, the third uh, Sunday, and that's tonight, the third Sunday of the month. We, we assemble, we'll have our normal um, preliminaries, if you will, and then we'll break into small circles. And uh, I don't know how many times now I have been in one of the circles where we've done this, dozens of times at this point, and I have never, never, never been in one of those circles and not been thankful for what God has shown me through the others in those circles. Not what God allowed me to show or to comment on in the circle, but what someone else showed me, uh, what a tremendous blessing it is. So come out tonight. Again, the, the whole idea behind this is that we would be together, old people and young people. That says men with uh, boys and ladies with girls, and that we would share what the Word of God says and what God has done in our lives, basically testifying to the goodness of God and the power of the Word of God in our lives so that our teens, so that our young people, our preteens, that they may know that God is good and that God is powerful and that He loves them and can change their lives, that He's changed our lives. If there's anything in our lives, we didn't do it. God did it. And they need to know that our God is able to do this in their lives. No matter what it is that they're going through, no matter what their understanding is, no matter where they think their parents are, they need to want to know how good God himself is. And so we'll be doing that together tonight. And then on Tuesday night, we'll just get together in this room. And I, I, I implore you that you would search your heart and have something that you are looking forward to, not just willing to, looking forward to sharing on Tuesday night of how you have been blessed that we might be able to, that I might be able to rejoice with you as you share what God has done in, in your life and your family. Amen. Open your Bible, if you would, please, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter and uh, chapter uh, 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> it, is, uh, it is my plan this morning to go through chapter 1 in a summing it up fashion. So I have five points, five simple points. Uh, the, the chapter breaks into five simple sections, and I have five simple points, and I do not plan on being long, um, but I hope that we'll be able to see these things together. Uh, the plan is to pray right now, ask the Lord to bless us, uh, then we'll read a section uh, make a comment. You can write these uh, in your margin or, or in, in, in your Bible so you can have it with you for the rest of your life. I think it'll be a real blessing and a real help to you as we sum this up before we uh, get into chapter 2 here in a couple of weeks. Let's pray. Father, 
Lord, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Lord, uh, you have burdened my heart. You've even excited my heart, Lord, through this chapter. Caused me to realize, perhaps in a way I've never ever seen in my life before. Lord, I've known the central message of this book dealing with your promise of healthy growth in our lives. But Lord, seeing it, seeing it spelt out for us, Lord, throughout this book, as you have shown this time, causing me to understand its placement, Lord, how it comes after uh, James and 1 Peter. Lord, how it comes before 1 John. Lord, causing me to really enter in to what it is that you're doing. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you'd help them. Lord, that this would not be a sermon. That, Lord, this would not be five points that they can write down but that you would use your own holy word and your own Holy Spirit and change our lives. Truly change our lives forever. That you would get more glory in our lives, continual glory in our lives. Lord, that we would not go up and down and up and down. Lord, that we would not walk after our flesh, that we would not be selfish but that we would walk after the Spirit and that we would be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, that by your divine power, we might be partakers of the divine nature. Lord, that we'd see that, that we'd understand what you say about this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to begin in chapter 1, verse 1. So we're in 2 Peter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to look at these things together. First of all, I'm going to read the first four verses, and then I'm going to make a couple of comments. first four verses... Uh, first, excuse me, Second Peter chapter one verse one. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The, the uh, point I'd like you to write down for the first four verses is the foundation of healthy growth. The foundation of healthy growth. God's promise here in 2 Peter in your life is that you can have healthy growth in your life. That you can continually grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, personally. That you can have this healthy growth in your life. And this, at the very beginning, he explains the foundation of this. What I want you to notice is this. Who is this for? Verse 1 says, them that have obtained like precious faith with us. So, those who are new creatures, those who have obtained like precious faith, those who have trusted Christ for their salvation, not those that go to church, not those that have signed some form of doctrine. Not those that have been baptized. That's not what it's about. Those who have obtained like precious faith. Those 
who are trusting the Christ of the Word of God today. That's who it's for. That's what this is for. Now, you'll notice, so in, in mine, I have made these with color. I gave some of these out on a Thursday night for those that came Thursday night. Just of this first section, there's green at the beginning, them that have obtained like precious faith. There's green at the end of verse 4, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So who is this for? It's those of us that have trusted Christ, and because we have trusted Christ, we have escaped, praise God, the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, the corruption literally means the decaying death that is in the world. How did this decaying death get into the world? And the answer is lust. Lust brought this in. By the way, keep your ribbon here. Turn back just a couple of pages to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll look at this. We studied it months ago when we were in the book of James. But I want to remind you of this lust. How does this lust come? And what does it do in our lives? Verse 14, James 1, 14. Let's look at this for just a moment. James 1, 14. But every man is tempted. So everyone, every individual is tempted when he is drawn away of his what? Own lust and enticed. Every man is tempted. Every one of us is tempted not by something someone else has done. Your failures are not my fault. Your failures are not our government's fault. Your failures are your fault. Okay? This is what it says. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift. And every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And by the way, the next verse is going to say, of his own will, he, he begat us. He made us new creatures. We were all trapped in our own lusts, and Jesus set us free. Okay? Who is this for? Now you can turn back. I just wanted you to see that. Turn back to Second Peter chapter 1. I just wanted you to be reminded of what this lust. This lust is your fault. This lust is my fault. But what God is saying is this. You and I have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But it wasn't the world that caused this lust. The problem with the world is us. Do you understand? You know, I, I know I shared this with you driving back from West Virginia uh, a couple of years ago. It was one of those beautiful mornings. You know, when the, when the mist is coming up in the mountains, you, know, you can actually literally see seeing the, uh, the uh, clouds are rising off of the hills. and They're going up into the air. The sun is just coming out. The glistening dew is everywhere. And there were deer all over the field. Just, just a, one of those beautiful, it was a postcard moment. Amen. And if you live in West Virginia, you know almost everything's a postcard in West Virginia. It's like Vermont. Even the rusty rock. Uh, plow in the field somehow makes a great postcard. Amen. It's one of those beautiful moments. And as I was seeing this, I was realizing how beautiful the fallen earth looks. And on that beautiful morning, the only thing that would ruin all that I was seeing would be people talking to each other. Do you understand? The deer don't ruin the day. The dew doesn't ruin the day. The clouds don't ruin the day. The squirrels don't ruin the day. Men ruin the day. What has caused the, the corruption that's in this world is lust. 
our personal selfishness destroying the world in which we live. And we have been delivered. We have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How have we escaped Escaped this? We have obtained, it goes back to verse 1, we have obtained like precious faith. The day you trusted Christ, he provided your escape. By himself purged our sins. By himself. Right? He's not, just our, he's not just our song. He's the reason we sing. What else do you have to sing about? Truly, what else could give you any real lasting joy but our Lord Jesus Christ himself? Amen? This is what, and now, by the way, we have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Not our own righteousness, but his righteousness. What a tremendous blessing. So you see in this foundation, the foundation of healthy growth is that you are saved. That's the foundation. First, you must have obtained like precious faith. First, you must have been set free or escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's the beginning. That's the foundation. That's where it starts. Amen? And that's the promise of God. I will rescue you and then I will grow you. I will rescue you and then I will conform you to the image of my son. Now, the next thing I want you to notice, also, it's, it's on both ends. It's in verse 3 and it's in verse 4. I want you to notice his divine power. Verse 3, according as his divine power. Mark, put a circle. I would put a circle. Some way you can mark this so you'll notice the difference between what we just looked at and what we're getting ready to look at right now. In my life, I use highlighters. I use different colors of highlights. Okay? And what I want you to notice is this. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power. Now, that allows for what we see in verse 4, and that is this, that we might be partakers of the divine nature. His divine power is what's conforming us to the image of Christ. So you and I can have the divine nature in our lives. How? How could I possibly be godlike in my conduct? And the answer is by his power. The divine power of God at work in your heart and life making you Christ-like. Isn't that wonderful? What a tremendous and wonderful truth. Notice what it says. According as his divine power hath, and you might want to put two, I put two lines under this in my notes. Given. Given. What does that mean? Given. What does that mean? Think about it now. You haven't earned it. It's been given to you. God has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't that wonderful? God has given us not, listen, this is really important. God has not just given you life when he saved you. He gave you life and godliness. He not only saved you, he promised to change you. It's the gift from the very beginning. You'll see we have this is given to us. You'll also notice in verse 4 that something else is given to us. And, that's, and this is what it says. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Amen? God has given us everything and he's promised us all of it. Promised it. Promised it. Amen? Now listen, here's our problem with promises. We've had too many people fail to fulfill their promises in our life. Nobody has ever had Jesus fail them. Never. God has never, ever failed to fulfill a promise. Never. Some people have failed to collect on the promises of God. But he has never failed to fulfill them. 
Everything that God promises, you can count on. Everything the preacher promises, you better back up with Scripture. You understand? Whatever I would say from the pulpit, you better make sure the Word of God says it also. Otherwise, you're just listening to something that might be pleasant to hear. They're not the same thing. But the promises of God, that you can count on. Amen? God has given us, given, given. His divine power has given us all things. And He has also given us exceeding great and precious promises. And that allows us to have the divine nature. Now, I want you to notice this. I wrote this in my notes. Given, called, given and this is the end of the of the foundation given called given given in verse three called at the end of verse three and given at the beginning of verse four so you have two givens right this is really important it's like a given sandwich okay write this down it's important you're gonna want this later this given sandwich god has given me all things that pertain to life and godliness He has given me exceeding great and precious promises. In the middle, he calls me to something. He calls me to us, he says, and he hath called us to glory and virtue. So here's what he's saying. I want you to be involved in this. I want you to be involved in this. I have given this to you. I have given this to you. I can can be involved in what he's called me to so long as there's enough giving in my life. Do you understand? As long as the power of God gives everything that I need, I can be involved in whatever it is he has called me to do. Amen? Whatever it is that God has called to you for, whatever it is that God wants you to have, you can have it. How? Because he makes sure he gives it to you. That's why. So he's given unto us, he's called us to glory and virtue. Now, I don't have time to go through this, but I want you to notice it says, through the righteousness of God in verse 1, through the knowledge of God in verse 2, through the knowledge of him, our Lord Jesus Christ, in verse 3. So all of this, now we're going to talk about this a great deal as we go through the rest of this book, but all of this knowledge matters. All of our growth, listen to me, all of your growth is dependent upon how much you know God. Let me say that again. All of your growth is dependent upon your knowledge of God. Listen to me. Not your your knowledge of being a Baptist. Your knowledge of God. Do you understand? Not your knowledge about God. Your knowledge of God. And I I don't have time to go through this again. Uh, I don't remember who it was I used. I used somebody a couple weeks ago when I said, so-and-so knows so-and-so, right? It was a husband and wife. And I said, you may know about this person, but I promise you she knows him. Do you understand? I can use myself. You may know about me, but I promise you Kathy knows me. Do you understand? God does not want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. Do you understand? And it is your knowledge of him that's going to bring the growth that God wants. All of the exceeding great and precious promises are not powerful until you know him. And as you know him and know him and know him and know him, you grow and you grow and you grow and you grow. And then anybody can say anything they want about your Bible or about your God. And your response is simply this. You just don't know him. You just don't know him. You no longer feel like you have to prove anything. You no longer feel like you have to argue anything. You no longer feel like you have to master anything. You no longer feel like if I can't persuade them, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. But it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with my God. See, my God is simply who he says he is. Amen. My God is the Savior of the world. Amen. My God is able to do all things. He is able, and I know him. Amen. And as the hymn says, you wonder how I know he lives? He lives within my heart. Amen. 
And it really is just that simple. I've got nothing to brag about except for him, but he's worth bragging about. All day long, every day, I can brag about him. In fact, all day long, every day, he's not just the song, he's the reason I sing. Nothing else matters. And all I want you to know is how wonderful he is. That's growth. Growing continually in how much you desire to make him known to everybody around you. Not that you want them to come to your church. Not that you want them to be like you. Not that you want them to vote the way you vote. You just want them to know Jesus. Just want you to know how wonderful he is. That's what God is saying. He's called us through the knowledge of him to glory and virtue. A whole new life. That's the foundation. The foundation of healthy growth. Verses 1 through 4. Now... The seven steps of healthy growth. The seven steps of healthy growth. They come to us in verses 5 through 11. The seven steps of healthy growth. Let's read it. I won't take as long, by the way, on the rest of these. That foundation, we've got to lay that foundation good, amen? Right, got to get the concrete in, you've got to let it set up, and then we can start putting some wood on top of it, amen? The seven steps of healthy growth. And beside this, giving all diligence. So because this is true, now, because this is true, add to your faith, right? That's how it started. I obtained like precious faith. Now, because that's true, now add to your trust of Christ virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The seven steps of healthy growth. And we see them here, right? Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And we don't have time to go over them. We spent many weeks going over each and every one of these seven steps. But what you'll notice is there is a progression there is a growth. And it really does begin with this. Once you've trusted Christ, the first thing is virtue. And virtue is really significant. Virtue is moral excellence. Once you're saved, you no longer live the way you used to live. Yes? If you've repented, if you've trusted Christ for your salvation, things go away in your life. Yeah? Again, I don't want to talk about the list. I, don't, I, I really have no interest in talking to you about my list. But I can tell you this. I've been forgiven much. And the Bible says those that have been forgiven much love much. It's interesting. As the children were singing, I have been let blessed, I sat here and wept. You know, I don't know how many times. We just heard that song at the, at the veterans' dinner, what, a week ago? You know, a week and, a, and two days ago, we heard that very song. And I wept then as I heard that song. You know why? Because I have been blessed. Amen? Because I'm aware. I'm aware of what my salvation caught. I'm not only aware of what my salvation costs, I'm aware of what my freedom costs today. I'm aware that there are men and women dying somewhere today so that we could do what we're doing right now. I'm aware of this, and I'm thankful for this. I just spent a week, well, not a week, a few, just a two days. I spent two days in North Carolina where the storm did hit. 
And I saw what people lost, and they lost everything. And the people that we helped hadn't had anything to start with, and they still lost everything. What little they had, they lost. Water over three feet deep in their house, right? I didn't lose my house. And by the way, if I had lost my house, you know what I would have done? I would have called USAA and said, we had a flood. And USAA would have said, you ought to go to a hotel room. We'll send uh, ProServe over, and they'll start getting the water out of your house, and they'll fix it. Thank you. And that would have said, oh, I'm going through such a difficult time. I'm living in a hotel room, and I got three meals a day and two cars to drive, and I'm getting a brand new living room out of this whole thing. The people that we just helped, they didn't call their insurance company. You understand? We've been blessed. We've been forgiven much. Far greater than a hurricane was the disaster that my life was before Jesus saved me. And I've been delivered, rescued from these very things. Amen? Add to your faith virtue. To your virtue knowledge. To your knowledge temperance. Boy, temperance is an important one in my life. I don't know about your life. The, the, the two things that stand out in my every time I go over the list, the two things that stand out in my life are, are, are virtue. In other words, stop living the way you used to live. And second, stop being the jerk that you used to be. Because that's what temperance is. Temperance is not losing your temper. Temper is, temperance is not blowing your cool. Temperance is not being selfish, exerting yourself and saying, I will have my way. And we got to be rescued from that. And this is what God does. And by the way, once he does that, you know what's interesting is what comes after temperance? Anybody remember? Patience. <laughs> Why well, suppose patience comes after temperance? Anybody want to guess? Again, I don't have time to preach this over again. But anybody want to guess why patience comes after temperance? Because we're all aware. How many of you have spent some time living in Romans chapter 7, right? The good that I would, I don't. The evil that I wouldn't, I do. Oh, wretched man that I, not that I was, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Who delivers me from the body of this death? The answer is Jesus does. Amen. But I got to stop walking after the flesh and walk after the spirit instead. And I've got to, and I've got to learn what that means because I am so prone to pick up the flesh again, right? I have been, I have in my life, when I exert myself, I can win. Do you understand? And when you realize that you can't win anymore, it's hard to die. Which is why Jesus says you must die how often? Daily. Every morning you wake up, your flesh wants to run your life. But let me say it this way. I just want to change one letter. Instead of R-U-N, let's put an I after the U, okay? Anybody can spell that word, right? Instead of running your life, your flesh wants to ruin your life. Because that's what your flesh does every day you let it have control. Every day you give your flesh the ability to run your life, it will ruin your life. And you will live in Romans chapter 7. Now here's the good news. Jesus says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? And if you're a new creature, then praise God, you're a new creature. But you don't have to live in Romans chapter 7 anymore. That's the, that's the promise. This is the, um, how do you say it? The detailed explanation found here in 2 Peter. You don't have to live like that anymore. But you do have to live like you're called. And you're called to what? And the answer is virtue, right? Called to glory and virtue. There's got to be a change in your life. There's got to be a change in your life. But the power for that comes in the promises of God. Amen? Amen. Now, it says here, uh, this brotherly kindness, 
Brotherly kindness is us loving each other like we're supposed to love each other. I don't know how to say this. I really don't know how to say this. It seems so simple to me. Who wants to go to a church where everybody loves everybody else and helps everybody else? Anybody want to go to that church? Raise your hand high. I want to go to a church where everybody loves everybody and helps everybody. Raise your hand nice and high. Amen. All right. Now put your hand down. How many of you are willing to love everybody and help everybody? Put your hand back up high. Yeah, a lot smaller group. That's the problem right there. That's the problem with church. It's, it's, listen, it's easy to say from the pulpit, our church is full of love and peace and grace. And it is doctrinally, right? It, you know, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. If you want to hear that, see where that is, just turn around. It's on the wall behind you. That is what we want. Now, why don't we have that all the time? And the answer is lust. Lust. Your selfish will. My selfish will ruins brotherly kindness. But God wants to grow us out of that. That's the promise of God. Yes? Yes or no? Right? The same thing that saved you will change you. The same power of God that paid for your sins has power over those sins in your life. Amen? So you can have peace. You can have joy. You can have patience. You can have long-suffering. You can have the fruit of the Spirit filling your life. How? By the power of the Spirit. The same Spirit that saved you will change you. It's wonderful. It's true, and it's important. But if you don't have this, he that lacketh these things is blind. And we've all been blind, and we've all hurt each other because of it. We've forgotten that we were purged. We forgot that he by himself purged our sins. We forgot. We forgot the salvation that we have. We forgot the power of God to change us. And because we forgot, we hurt each other. Repent. Repent of that. Repent. Repent. I'm sorry that I've hurt anybody. Lord, I just don't want to hurt anyone anymore. In fact, I would rather help people. I would rather be a blessing and a help to other people. That's what I really want. I hope that's what you want. I promise you, that's what God wants. That's what God wants in our lives and through our lives. Number three, so we've seen the foundation of healthy growth and the seven steps of healthy growth. Now we see the vital nature of healthy growth. How important is this healthy growth? Let's look at verses 12 through 15. Verses 12 through 15, the vital nature of healthy growth. Wherefore, because it matters... That we grow because it matters wherefore wherefore the apostle paul says i will not be negligent to put you you might want to underline this always in remembrance of these things though you know them and be established in the present truth yea and i think it is meet as long as i am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly i must put off this tabernacle even as our lord jesus christ hath shown me moreover i endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance how important is it how listen how important is this growth in your life according to the holy spirit and this is how important it is. It's the only message he'll let Peter preach anymore. The only message. Here's the message that Peter will preach, right? I'm just looking at it with you, right? Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. In other words, I, this is so important. I realize, he says, that the sermon that I'm preaching, you heard it yesterday. And the time before that when I was here. And the time before that when I was here. And yet... It's what I'm going to preach. In fact, 
I'm going to preach it to such a degree that when I'm not here physically, in other words, when I'm traveling someplace else, that you still remember it. In fact, he goes on and says, when I die, it's what I want you to remember. Yes or no? Is that what it says? Yes? Am I overstating this? It's, It's not even possible that I could overstate it. Here's the words, always in remembrance, right? How does it end? What are the last three words? Always in remembrance. What are the the beginning? Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. What does he preach now? You need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does he say after he's dead? He wants them to remember. I need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's it. It is the vital nature of the healthy growth in your life. It should be the preaching and teaching always, always, always pointing us to Jesus. Why? Because it's my knowledge of him that will grow me. Amen? Yes? Again, that was the foundation. The foundation was my knowledge of God will grow me. So remember that. And understand that there are seven steps in this growth, and they are away from me, right? They are away from me. They start with a trust in Christ, and they end with me loving everybody around me. Yes or no? Isn't this simple? Isn't this helpful? Sometimes I wonder. I mean, really, I I just pause in the middle of my sermon here to say, sometimes I wonder how much anybody seems to care about these things. I hope you care about this. I hope it is life-changing to you. This is what God wants to accomplish on the earth while we're here, we're all going home. We're all going to heaven. It won't be long. How many of you are looking forward to getting off this week for Thanksgiving? Raise your hand if you're looking forward to it. That's quite a bit. How many of you are looking forward to be? How many of you were looking forward to Thanksgiving last week? Raise your hand if that's true for you. Amen. Yeah. Okay. We're ready for a day off, right? Right. It's Monday, and people are looking forward to Friday. Yes. We're going home, guys. We're going home, but we're not going home today, probably. Some of us might. It's possible we could all, the the trumpet could sound and we'll all go home. But sometimes I think that Christians are just living like they don't care what happens between now and when the trumpet does sound. But it does matter between now and when the trumpet does sound. Amen? If it didn't, he wouldn't tell us to grow. 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 Stop being selfish. Grow. Do what God would have you to do by his power, not your power. Praise God for this. The vital nature of growth. The last one is the same thing in two different places. It's the assurance. The assurance of healthy growth. It starts in verse 16. It runs to the end of the chapter. John read it this morning. It's two things, though. The assurance of healthy growth testified. That's his verses 16 uh, through 17. Uh, through 18, excuse me. Verses 16, 17, and 18. The assurance of healthy growth testified. And then 19 through 21. The assurance of healthy growth verified. So first of all, the assurance of healthy growth testified. Here's what he says. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, I'm telling you I saw the glory of Christ. Literally saw the glory of Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he Received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we, excuse me, when, excuse me, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Now look up here. This is the apostle testifying, testifying, 
to the assurance of healthy growth in your life. Jesus is who he says he is. I know it, I saw it. Amen? That's wonderful. It really, really is. So here's the, here's the thing. You and I, this coming week, will be around extended family members who need the Lord Jesus Christ. And this can be your testimony. I'm telling you, he's changed my life. Now let me say this. In order for you to be able to testify that, he better have changed your life. Because the world's got too many people that go to church. Do you understand what I'm saying? The world's got too many people that go to church who haven't had any change in their life and they want to talk about their rules and what their church does and how much better they are than the other people around them. That's just nonsense. That's just garbage. Do you understand? That is not what God wants to accomplish. What God wants them to be able to see is the real change in your life. And then you can testify to where it came from. Yes? What he said is this. We didn't make this up. We don't have cunningly devised fables. The apostles didn't sit down and say, hey, let's make up a story. You know, Jesus, that guy, Jesus, he was kind of a nice guy. Let's tell a story about him. We'll make up a really cool story. We'll make it a really powerful story. That's not what happened. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They were on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw who he was. They saw the Father pull back the veil just a little bit and show us how awesome Jesus actually is. Amen? They know this. They testify to it. And that's the verification. And it says in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, once you're born again, when the Holy Ghost lives in you, ye shall be witnesses unto Jesus. You must testify to Jesus. I got nothing else to talk about other than how great Jesus is. Let me go back and say this. I would love to go back to when I was a baby Christian and not waste my time beating up everything that my extended family didn't understand about their Bible. Because I sure did a lot of damage that I can't seem to undo now. I attacked everybody else's belief system instead of telling them how great Jesus was. Do you understand? I spent all of my time saying, oh, yes, yes, all that's wonderful, but you're wrong about this. And you're wrong about this, and you're wrong about this, and you're wrong about this. By the way, all the while not having the visible change that God wanted in my own life. Do you understand? You don't, do you not understand or you just don't want to hear what I'm saying? How many of you are convicted by what I'm saying? How many of you are aware that you're not helping your family by beating up where they're wrong? Do you understand that? I mean, if you were, I mean, you show me one verse in everything that we just looked at that tells you you should go around beating up everybody where they're wrong. In, in the growth, we're looking at growing as a Christian. Show me one passage that, that you could even interpret to say that the way you're supposed to grow is to beat up what everybody else around you is wrong about. That's not what God wants. It's not what he's wanting to accomplish in your life. He wants to change you. He wants to change you in such a remarkable way that your children say, Mom, Dad, what's happened in your life? And you can say, Jesus is awesome. And they say, yeah, I went to church too, Dad. I know all those things. And you say, no, 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 no. Jesus is awesome. I was wrong about how awesome he was. I didn't have the change in my life that I could have had in my life, even though I was a new creature. And why? Because I was blind and I forgot how I was purged and I forgot what I was like before I was saved and now I'm just thankful to be saved and I'm growing in grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Amen? That's what the passage is saying. That's what the whole book is saying. And we can testify to that. Amen? But, on the, but he goes from that and says, the assurance of healthy growth testified is one thing, but the assurance of healthy growth verified is even more important to the people that we know. And here's what he says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, your testimony is important, 
but your testimony is not the word of God. Amen? Do you understand? Your testimony can be wrong. Your testimony can be exaggerated. Your testimony can simply be misremembered. But praise God, you can say, you know what? Just read this. Just read this. Yes? Because this is what changed my life. The God of this book changed my life. I'm testifying to what he's done in my life, but you may not believe my testimony. I'll tell you what, read this instead. Just read this. But I promise you, this is what made the difference. Jesus made the difference. This is what made the difference right here. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. In other words, there's coming a, listen, this is so wonderful. There's coming a day in a little while when this corruptible, me, shall put on incorruption. Amen? When I shall be changed, and you shall be changed, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Amen? Yes? Perfect. Just like that. Yes? No more preaching and teaching needed. No more getting up every morning and denying myself, taking up my cross and following him because I will be perfect. Amen? And you will be perfect. Praise God. And then we shall know even as we are known. It will be wonderful. And by the way, what will we do then? We will sing, Thou art worthy. Amen? When it's all over and we are perfect, what will you and I do? We'll sing to Jesus, Thou art worthy. Isn't that wonderful? When you know everything like you should, what will you do? You'll turn and sing to Jesus. Amen? Maybe we should practice that now just a little bit in our own lives. Amen? You practice in your car, I'll practice in my car. Amen? Some of you guys can practice in my car. Some of you do practice in my car because I, listen, I play, listen to you when I'm... You know, I think I'll start handing out CDs of me singing and you guys can listen to those in your car too. Amen? No, you don't want that. That's not what you want. Verified. Now, by the way, I want you to notice it says, we have a more sure word of prophecy whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed. Now, remember who the audience of the book is, right? We're almost done, but remember who the audience, who's the audience of the book? It's those who have obtained like precious faith. Those who have escaped the lust that is, excuse me, the corruption that is in the world through lust. So these are born again people. And what do born again people need in their life? The word of God. Amen? Now, do unsaved people need the word of God? Of course they do. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no other name given unto heaven whereby they must be saved than our Lord Jesus Christ. They need that, but so do you. Now, this is what's important. And the reason this is really important is what's coming up in the next chapter. And I'm going to mention an actual name. And, and, and for those of you that are offended, I apologize. But there are too many Joel Olsteins in the world for you not to pay attention to what the Bible says. Okay, there, every sermon on TV or on the internet is not worth listening to. In fact, probably most of them aren't worth listening to. You understand? What matters is what does the Word of God say? Here's what he says. We have also, and this is the Apostle Peter, who was on the Mount of Transfiguration, who literally testifies to being on the Mount of Transfiguration and then follows it up with this. But more important to you than my testimony about the Mount of Transfiguration is the Word of God. That's important. When God tells you the testimony of somebody that was on the Mount of Transfiguration is secondary, you better pay attention. We have also a more sure word of uh, prophecy. Whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until that day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. And boy, are we looking forward to this. Knowing this primarily Knowing this foundationally, knowing this more importantly than testimony, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private 
interpretation. The Word of God is, this is not Peter's testimony. This is God the Holy Spirit's testimony through Peter. Amen? That is really critically important. In other words, what he's saying is this, the Word of God is quick and powerful. The preaching of the Word of God can be profitable, but only if it's pointing to the Word of God itself. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You can count on your Bible. Amen? You can count on your Bible. You can open your Bible anywhere and everywhere, and you can count on your Bible because it's not the word of men, it is the word of God. Amen? And, the God, and listen, and you, you will find this. No matter where you open your Bible, your Bible is going to testify. No matter where, Malachi testifies to Jesus as the Christ. Amen? Leviticus, oh boy, does Leviticus testify that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ. Amen? Isaiah testifies that Jesus is the Christ. Everywhere you open your Bible, you will grow in your knowledge of Him. And that's what God wants for you. Amen? And that growth will change your life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us these couple of minutes together this morning. Lord, I thank you that your word is all by itself quick and powerful. And I pray for every single one of my brothers and sisters that we would not settle for anything less than your word and your will in our lives. Lord, that we would glorify you. Bless us this coming week, Lord, as we're around others, that we would stop giving them our opinion and simply testify to your goodness, that we would testify to who you are and what you say. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these things. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Amen. Stand with me if you would. I hope this was helpful. Lord willing, in a, in a couple of weeks, next week we're actually, next Sunday morning, Lord willing, uh, it is on my heart, that next Sunday morning we will actually have a, a message of thanksgiving. Uh, and we will uh, just look at the whole, whole heart attitude of thanksgiving. That we will sum up the time that we spent. It's not about turkey. Amen? Thanksgiving is not about turkey. Nothing wrong with turkey. Nothing wrong with turkey day after Thanksgiving either, by the way. Amen? Nice turkey sandwich. Praise God. A little bit of stuffing. And I'm hungry already. Amen? But it's not about turkey. It's about a heart of thanks. You know, somebody, somebody posted this recently. We sure are ready for Halloween when it gets here in America. We sure, we sure seem to rush through Thanksgiving. We're already looking at buying stuff. And by the way, don't, be, don't misunderstand why Christmas is important in America. Christmas is not important in America because of Christ. Christmas is important in America because of selling stuff. That's why, that's why the decorations are out. They're not out because Jesus is the reason for the season. And I don't know that you can really understand Christmas without Thanksgiving. In fact, I would say this. If you don't have a heart full of Thanksgiving, I'm quite sure you don't understand Christmas. Because we have been forgiven much. And again, it's that babe in the manger who by himself purged our sins. Amen? And we live because of him. Brother Rick, Rick May, close us in prayer for you.